Listening to the iZombie podcast with Robin and Steph, a fan podcast about the CW show iZombie. My name is Robin, and some of my best friends are zombies. Uh, my name is Stephanie, and I know spoons. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the proper placement and everything. Uh, no, um, I really don't. <laughs> and what the correct spoon is to put on the table. You go from the outside in, but I couldn't set the table. Oh, okay. Uh, well, it is yet another week of iZombie as we are ticking our way through the final season. We're actually officially over halfway through. We have six episodes left. Oh, God. And then it's going to be all gone. Um, and it's funny because usually, you know, we do this podcast and it's like you get towards the end of the season. And you're like, oh, good. Now we kind of take a break and, you know, recalibrate and whatever. And uh, but now it's kind of like we got to take a break and it's never going to end. <laughs> what do you mean? I mean, we won't be coming back for more eyes. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> We're going to do oh, a little Veronica stuff. End. But yeah, the break for my zombie will never end. Break. I know. It was like. Wow, a year. We have to wait a year. That's an eternity. No, yeah. it's it's done forever. Over. It's even worse. Ugh. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. The way this final season is going, I don't think there's going to be any chance of, uh, you know, any revivals. I think a lot of people are going to be <laughs> dead or we're going to just reach a, uh, a, a, like a good final statement on the show where there's not going to be much else to say. Yeah, I can imagine that. Yeah. Um, I did reach out to Chelsea Catalanato for this episode because she wrote this one, um, but she is working on a script and is really busy, unfortunately, but she might kind of join us in a couple of weeks to to, to just chat, you know? Um, but, uh, I just wanted to mention that because we did have her on last season. Um, or at least I think I did. I I think I did like a bonus thing with her. Yeah. Because I don't think I talked to her. Yeah. Um... But we are here to talk about her episode, Filleted to Rest, uh, and it's directed as well by Michael Fields. Um, since uh, we, since I have a, a, something I really need to get to after the podcast, I'm going to just jump right into it. We're just going to really dive right in. And unlike the last few episodes, um, where it seems to be like a plot um, throughout the entire episode of one thing and how everything kind of you know branches off from that one plot in this one it seems like i don't know this it, there seems to be all sorts of different things going on it seems like all our main characters are dealing with the recurring characters in their own separate plot lines mm. <laughs> um, i think the only people that are really together um for an extended period of time it's is uh live and clive but um so why don't we get started uh with uh the case um, so we are at the restaurant called Le Dome and, um, how do you spell that? It's L E and then space and then dome like D O M E. D O M E. Yep. Okay. What does that mean? I, you know, like your dome, like your head. <laughs> oh. I'm assuming it's like, it's like a brain thing. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, for instance, you know, like we call, um, 
the mystery man in the van, Chrome Dome. <laughs> ah. Um, but Ravi doesn't want uh, Ladome ruined for him with a really gross death because he had an amazing experience there. He brought Peyton there and they had um, a magnificent uh, – a magnifique – a magnifique – thank you uh, – remoulade. Do you have any idea what a remoulade is? It's a sauce? Yeah. It's okay. – I, I looked it's it up. It's a French thing. Okay. Yeah. It's like a mayonnaise sauce. Oh. It's like – I don't know, with like extra garlic, maybe? And paprika. Uh, paprika, yeah, yeah. Um, I just, uh, it's so funny to hear like Ravi like freak out over what sounds like, like mayonnaise sauce. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I don't know. I don't I don't know if my taste buds are that, you know. Um, I don't know much about French food. Yeah. But, you know, supposedly it's the best in the world. Well, our biggest French expert was on ice this week uh, for most of it, mm-hmm. uh, so we didn't have any um, anything to check in with him about it. Um, but. but well, and also <laughs> the way that Ravi paid for that romantic dinner was he he got rid of premium cable, <laughs> which I think is uh, it's good. I mean, iZombie is going to go off the air. Game of Thrones has already ended. You know, it's time to just drop premium cable. It's time to finally be done with it. <laughs> Yes, know. but if you but if you had dropped premium cable, you wouldn't have been able to watch Chernobyl. Uh, well, I mean, you could still probably get HBO Go, right? Yeah, but you'd still have to pay for that. Yeah, yeah. so you might as well just have HBO. It might be time to be done with the CW, <laughs> at least. Because <laughs> I don't know if they're offering anything that I'm like, yes, must stay on for that. Um, but uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, I don't know. I'm pretty. I'm pretty excited about cat. A uh, cat woman. Cat woman. Cat woman. <laughs> cat woman. woman. It looks good. Yeah. I still love me some Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. I kind of fell off that whole CW hero uh, bandwagon. Oh God, for, I've dropped everything else. Yeah, very repetitive stuff. But um, there's some other superhero stuff that I'm getting into. I'm checking out that DC Universe. Oh. And uh, the the already canceled Swamp Thing is really good, <laughs> but um, I digress. <laughs> so we we're, we're here in Ladome, and we uh, R- Ravi and Liv go to this office in the back where they find Clive and the body of Eleanor Hickmott, who is the head chef there, and she's in her chair with plastic wrapped around her head, <laughs> and Ravi says someone wanted her to go. <laughs> and he's like, he gets it. Um, <laughs> I uh, this is this whole opening. I pretty much am freaking out because uh, I am standing outside this restaurant <laughs> during this. Oh, <laughs> so it is a real restaurant. This is a real like restaurant. Food. Yeah, yeah. It's like the it's like La Traviata or something like that. I don't know. Oh. But um, yeah, this is the last time I'll be talking about my Vancouver trip. But uh, this was uh, this was the restaurant that I I met uh, Rose, Raul, and Malcolm outside of. And uh, yeah, Chelsea Catalanato was there too. Um, wow! And and a bunch of other people as well. It's, it was it was awesome. And it's just so funny to see. Like I have pictures. Uh, you know, especially with Rose, you can see it. Um, she's like wearing the same costume as she was wearing at the beginning of this episode. Ah, but um, so yeah, they had that. They had that entire restaurant like closed down for the day, and I'm assuming they did all the restaurant scenes in in that one day. You know. Mm-hmm. Um. But um. Yeah, I just wanted to say 
that was awesome. And uh, yeah, I'll probably just move on from there. <laughs> my, I, I did publish my, my full photo album um, from the uh, set tour. And uh, there's stuff from I, – I realized I had stuff from Donnie's mom's basement that set, um, Renegade Headquarters. And then I realized I actually took a picture of Chrome Dome's van. Oh. <laughs> so, so that's all in the uh, complete And you didn't photo. even know it. Yeah. I, 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 I believe my tour guide, Haley, uh, uh, kind of pointed it out to me. She's like, yeah, that's going to be that's going to be important. But I can't really tell you why. <laughs> mm. So – uh, all right. So we'll move on from that. And, uh, Malcolm is wondering, Malcolm, Malcolm, uh, I actually wrote in my notes, Malcolm, um, uh, Clive wonders why her arms are free and says there's no signs of struggle. Uh, we meet Saul Monero who, uh, um, is more, uh, <laughs> sound like, uh, salmonella. I don't know. I don't know if they're making a play on that word, but yeah, I think I bet. <laughs> Uh, he's more upset about the 12 missing brains. He's not surprised at Eleanor's murder. She's fired people for existing wrong. <laughs> and uh, Saul says he'd probably do it with a machete if it was him. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, a lot of geniuses are monsters. He, and he mentions uh, Edison electrocuted puppies. Mm-hmm. Which made me go, what? Had, had you ever heard that before? I had never heard it. But I'm sure, you know... <sighs> Back then, they looked at things a lot differently, and also in my maybe I'm sure. Shut up, Sadie. I'm sure it's like uh, I, I we talk, as soon as we start talking about Edison electrocuting puppies. For some reason, your dog gets very angry. I don't know what this. <laughs> She's all wound up. She can't hear us. She doesn't know what's going on. Uh, I just like to imagine I'm she sure, does. <laughs> I'm sure it's like uh, it's like. Uh, experiment with mice. Yeah, it's like all oh, these puppies—they're expendable. Nobody, you know, nobody needs these dogs. Yeah, so. I, I, I stumbled. Like it's with today's society, we would think that that's distasteful. But I'm sure back in the day, that was it was different. Well, I'm sure there were a lot of strays. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I stumbled into a dark hole, by the way, on the internet when I would. Uh, yeah, you know, the Wizard of Menlo Park is a murdered a lot of dogs. You know. Um, and yeah, it was because he was trying to promote uh, direct current over alternating current. Uh, I guess he was in opposition to another inventor, uh, Westinghouse, I think, and Tesla, of course, um, and trying to promote his version of electricity and uh, also testing what would soon become the electric chair. <laughs> he was also hired to electrocute Topsy the elephant. And uh, that video is on YouTube, by the way, and very depressing to watch. Mm. Um, apparently the elephant went mad, killed, killed like three people and they were going to hang it. Imagine hanging an elephant. (laughs) And, uh, but they, they hired Edison to, uh, you know, strap some sort of electrodes to his, to some shoes that it put, they, they strapped on it and yeah, electrocute it. Um, I guess Edison wasn't there. He's not in the video. Um, and also the story goes that the, that poor, poor Topsy went mad because, you know, some jerk that was taking care of him, uh, was feeding him cigarettes instead of hay. <gasps> yeah. Gross. Um, but yeah, yeah. Thomas Edison did lots of, uh, lots of doggy electrocution and apparently he, he hired like street kids to be like, yeah, go get me some dogs. <laughs> I'll give you, I'll give you a penny each or something, you know, a dime each. 
Did you know that there is a light bulb in San Francisco that has never went out in like 150 years? What? That really, light bulbs were not were designed, they never go out. Light bulb companies had a race to figure out who could design a light bulb that would uh, burn out, and so you would have to replace them. You'd have to buy more. Huh. So Sounds about right. <laughs> Hadn't you heard stories about like your grandmother had a had a uh, washing machine that lasted for forty years, and then since we've uh, you know been buying washing machines, they only last a few years. Mm-hmm. They know what they're doing. Yeah. Oh, these inventors. Mm-hmm. Anyway, put them all in jail. Me. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> put them in zombie prison. Uh, okay. Um, so Saul here, Saul Monero, uh, knows Liv is going to eat Eleanor's brain and asks her to try the remoulade to get him the recipe. And Liv's like, oh, it doesn't work like that. And Ravi's like, no, no, no. <laughs> Liv, try the remoulade. Um, so we get a lovely cooking montage, although I have really no idea what she made. I was, I was actually waiting to see her put some remoulade into this uh, recipe. But it looks yeah. very elegant. Yeah, it looks like a French dish. Yeah. That cost a lot of money. And probably is like a light snack to us Americans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was watching this uh, like chef's table or, or something, this uh, French restaurant that uh, they grew their own herbs and vegetables and they just picked whatever was in the garden and, and they, uh, the dinner revolves around that. And so I was like, oh, well, when me and Morgan go to Paris next year we'll eat at this restaurant so i looked it would be like eight hundred dollars <laughs> for for morgan and myself to eat at this restaurant oh ridiculous so, yeah ridiculous um okay so after the autopsy ravi tells clive eleanor was hit with something before she was wrapped up and the de- time of death is around 1 a.m and he says it was something the size of french bread what does the club says? Oh, you're keeping it on theme. He says, fine, we'll keep our eyes peeled for menacing bread. Uh-huh. <laughs> and yeah, Liv gets the recipe, garlic, paprika, horseradish, and Ravi's very happy. Uh, fast forward ahead, we have Liv bellowing at officers about the coffee in the place, asking if someone ran it through cat litter. <laughs> And we this we kind of be Officer Jenkins. He doesn't. I don't. I think he has like one line in this episode, but uh, he, he does a great job of acting very embarrassed. And uh, uh, he must have been the one that made the coffee. But uh, we go into interview the first suspect, which, which is Jerry Jerry Holloway, the uh, dishwasher, and uh, he was also a line cook at a different restaurant, but wanted to work at La Dome and decided to start from the bottom. According to his story at this point Um, Mm -hmm. Liv critiques his resume uh, His spelling errors And he's like what is that font called Rube (laughs) Which I thought was funny And then Jenkins comes in with the uh, New mug of coffee which Liv Sips and says it's tolerable But then she says Wet the filter next time which is that? Is that a thing? Uh, you really do I don't. I, I was like, what? What's this? You know, because I'm always <laughs> looking to you know improve my coffee in the morning, um, mm-hmm. and I looked it up, and uh, it's basically a way to get rid of any sort of uh, remaining chemicals, particles, or dust that happen to collect on your coffee filters. You know, when they're before they're shipped out, or before, or if they're just kind of you know, like if I don't know if you're like me, you have like one 
uh, thing of coffee filters just kind of sitting on, on, on top of your coffee, uh, you know, waiting to be used, not sealed in a bag or anything. Mm-hmm. So, oh, I have coffee filters that are very old. Ah. They're like years and years old because I don't use a coffee maker that much. Like when we go on vacation and I use an actual coffee maker, that's when I use them. Next time, wet the filter. Okay, wet the filter. (laughs) Because, you know, we use Keurig or have one of those, uh, I don't know what it's called, but it's like a little thing. You put the filter thing. I, I, I can't explain it. But you just put the hot water. You just It's just like you're pouring the hot water over the coffee. Oh, are you saying French press? Well, I do have a French press. We have lots have of another... French in this episode. <laughs> yes. Oui, yeah, oui. French is the thing. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I I was inspired. My uh, Friday morning coffee, I wet the filter, and oh. uh, I didn't notice any difference at all. <laughs> 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 of course, I have like an age-old coffee maker, so maybe if I, uh, maybe if I got a nice – clean new coffee maker and started doing it might produce some good coffee. But I'm the kind of guy that just like, you know, I wish I could just drink black coffee, but I can't, I I have to put, you know, some stevia in there, um, and, uh, some half and half. Um, so, um, so yeah, anyway, so Jerry says he worked late the night of the murder. He heard yelling, probably the head waiter Herbert. Um, and Jerry asked, oh, wasn't it a robbery gone wrong? And Clive starts going, hmm, what was, what's the math for the street value of 12 brains? And Jerry easily figures it out to be $10,000. Mm-hmm. So, hmm. Well, and, but the point here, I'm, I'm sending you this. It's a pour over coffee maker. Anyway, but, I, <laughs> but they were making the point that he was dumb. Because I thought it's going to be something about that he's dumb, but he's very, but he's like a savant with math. Yeah. Because he misspelled a word on his application, and he just wasn't very bright, but he could do math. Yeah, yeah. See, I didn't pick that up at, at first. I should have. That's a pretty easy clue <laughs> to figure out. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was. Uh, too, I guess. I guess I was too distracted by the coffee and and what w- wetting a filter is all about. <laughs> uh, so we talked to the waiter Herbert, and he's very. They left a pork loin and a duck thawing, and he's very uh, upset about it because apparently, like I don't know, like. Uh, cold beet salad or something would not be good uh-huh. with pork or something. Yeah. Um, Clive asked Herbert about arguing with Eleanor. He said he didn't say anything because uh, it would actually make him look guilty. So, yes, he did have an argument with her, but he was holding it back. So Herbert says check with the brain chef, whose name is Jake. And then suddenly Liv realizes the pork loin was the murder weapon. And Herbert said that they served it, but it was sent back with hair on it. So, aha, that must have been the murder weapon. And uh, Ew, gross. Yeah, her hair, a dead woman's hair was on it. That's gross. Uh, and it was and it was served. And I'm sure it wasn't just hair. I'm sure those blood spatters on this pork. Right. <laughs> Nasty. And uh, so we go to uh, Ladome, and Liv is bothered that they even have a brain chef. There's just she seems like she's like there's not that much. Involved in cooking brains, which I think is kind of like a meta commentary on the different concoctions uh, she comes up with every week. Yeah. And yeah, this is when she yells at that waiter for not placing the spoons correctly. 
Anyway, skipping ahead, skipping ahead, we have uh, Jake brought into interrogation. He he was the head chef, and he's now the brain chef because when he became a zombie, he lost his taste buds. Um, and Liv says, <laughs> "Beethoven was deaf. Suck it up." <laughs> uh, it, it was true. It was something I didn't even it didn't even think about. You know, what if you were a chef and you know the your taste buds are pretty much shot when you become a zombie and that's why they add such, you know, hot stuff to everything. Um, I don't know. It's, uh, it, it would probably suck. <laughs> but, uh, Jake says that Ladome got some of the world's smartest brains smuggled in and put in the freezer. Clive says if someone stole brains, they would probably grab the frozen pork loin while they're in there. This is the part of the episode where I was like, yeah, duh. <laughs> we already got that, Clive. <laughs> Yeah, the loin was frozen. That's why it was so hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if if the brains were stolen at a time, like I don't know why. Why is Clive coming to this conclusion right now? But um, that's when Liv has a vision of Darren Collie getting caught stealing brains and then shrink wrap- wrapping them to his body. Mm-hmm. Um, so they go check out uh, Darren, who is at St. Thomas's Hospital. <laughs> Which I didn't catch the last time we've gone to the hospital, but there was a sign up, like a like an advertisement sign, like, mm-hmm. and right at the bottom it said St. Thomas's Hospital, which is funny. Rob Thomas, yeah, yeah, he is a saint. <laughs> uh, so Darren was hit by a bus after cops chased him, and in his apartment uh, there was found stolen electronics. And Clive says the man's having a bad day. Let's go make it worse. And I just love this whole exchange. Like, Darren's like, murder? You got to be kidding me. I'm a people person. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Darren's like, hey, my alibi is I was burgling. And <laughs> it describes it in detail. And Clive and Liv just kind of stand there stunned as he implicates himself. Um, but he does say that Eleanor yelled at either the waiter or the dishwasher for eating bust brains. Brains that mm. were bust. Uh, so, um, so she goes back to Ladone later and tries to get off of, um, her, uh, head chef brain, but they are out of the yoga instructor brain. He says, we do have statistician brain. And then he's like, oh wait, that was stolen. And that's when Lib says, aha, I've just solved a murder. (laughs) That was cute. (laughs) So cute. It's very. It was very. It was very Poirot, you know, keeping with the French theme. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> um, so so it turns out that Jerry, the dishwasher, is a zombie. He applied for a dishwasher, not not a cook, because again, uh, the, the taste bud problem, you know. And uh, he's in he's in the closet. They they kind of used that terminology in these last this last scene. You know, he's in the closet. Yeah. He's told his parents. And I like that they're doing this because it's uh, is you know it's a um, like a parallel. It's like a uh, 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 what do you call it? Metaphor. 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 For because these kids, their parents have disowned them. Right. Their parents have kicked them out and don't have anything to, because they made this life choice or. They made this decision or, you know, I'm sure that's how the parents look at it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think it's good, good commentary. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, And uh, it's also interesting where you kind of like put the pieces together here. It's like he applied for the dishwasher because he couldn't taste. He wasn't a, he wasn't a cook anymore. Um, He's, and he doesn't, he's not telling anybody that is a zombie. So, you know, he's not getting brains he's he hasn't registered he doesn't have his brain card 
Um, and so he, he's eating scraps off of dirty plates at La Dome. Like he applied there basically to survive. <laughs> yeah, it probably flying under the radar being a busboy. Right. And uh, yeah, Clive quizzes him about yachts, which he easily answers. And it's because he is on Yacht Club President Brain, which was one of the um, one of the stolen brains. Mm-hmm. And then she quizzes him on math and he doesn't have that brain anymore. So he's he's terrible at it. And Jerry says that his parents are chicks. They, they work for the chicks. So um, Eleanor threatened to out him and he snapped. So Clive arrests Jerry. And this is another one of those, uh, you know, cases where you're like, you kind of feel bad for the person that's being put away, even though like in just like a moment of rage, they snapped and, uh, you know, they would usually be decent people. But um, yeah, that's, there's a lot of that this season. Yeah. So where where it's like you're watching it and you're like you feel bad for these people uh who are not bad people. Right. They're not criminals. It's just some they were in a bad situation or they snapped and made made the wrong decision or whatever. Right. And you feel sorry for them, but Clive and Liv and Ravi are like, "Yay, what's for lunch?" <laughs> <laughs> we we solved the murder now. Moving on. Moving on. Yeah, and, it, and obviously, you know, in the end, he is a murderer. He deserves the he deserves justice, you know. But you know, sometimes you're like, yeah, when he, when he, they catch a bad guy, but you know, that's really a bad guy, really bad guy. Um, but uh, yeah, all right, let's move on to one of the stranger elements of this episode. This is the uh, the uh, the twin story. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we go to uh, we have friend of the pod, Doctor Saxon, very outraged at uh, Ravi uh, because Ravi lied about the Freilich brains, and he is done with Ravi, and he hangs up on him. And so Ravi starts having some small chat with uh, small talk with uh, Charlie, who mentions she can get Ravi the list of the Freilich kids' brains, which I'm sure will inevitably fall into Blaine's hands. Am I right? Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> you can see that coming. Um, and she says Saxon got mad because she had a family emergency, and she says there's something gonna have to do with her mom. So Ravi offers help, and Charlie actually says, "Yeah, actually, I do need some help from you." And it turns out she's got a sister named Lila. Um, Lila, Ravi sets up a meeting with Lila, but Lila comes directly to the morgue because she wants to check it out with her like fling of the week, uh, Silvio. Um. And so Ravi shows them a corpse, and yeah, as as probably anybody who has never seen a corpse before, it, it, it's it, and its interest is it's not like something that's really fun to see. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so they got on video chat with Charlie, and Lila immediately asked Charlie if they told if Charlie told their mom that Charlie had lost the ring, and Charlie stammers, and Lila leaves immediately. And says, you're still dead to me. So Charlie explains to Ravi that the ring is a family heirloom. It disappeared and Lila was blamed. And Charlie tries to just say that she was the one that lost it. But her mom keeps forgetting that it wasn't Lila that lost the ring. Mm-hmm. And, but it also turns out that the mom has Alzheimer's and Lila doesn't know that. Right. Uh, so, so Charlie's trying desperately to have Lila reconnect with her mom. While she's still her mom. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. It's just kind of like 
I wish these guys just had a simple like, – couldn't they have just like a simplest conversation like – or just even like send her a note that says, OK, she's got Alzheimer's. <laughs> you have to forgive her. It's not my fault. I don't know. Yeah. I was kind of frustrated yeah, with that. Yeah, but Lila – well, I mean I was frustrated with it was so weird. This surprise – like what is Charlie <laughs> doing here in New Seattle? Yeah, yeah. And, and then it just comes out in the conversation, in the dialogue. Right. Uh, that they're twins. That was weird. And, um, yeah. But I guess Lila just has her feelings hurt so bad that she just refuses to hear any of it. So it's going to take Ravi. But e- even though, it, uh, skipping ahead a little bit, yeah. Ravi, it's kind of off screen how Ravi is uh, becoming friends with Lila and yeah. getting Lila. And, he won't um, give up. He keeps calling and texting her. Lila and Charlie back uh, speaking on speaking terms again. Yeah, it was just a, I don't know. This was so weird. Um, and then Robbie even suggests that she watches The Notebook, which... Yeah, what is... Oh, because of the Alzheimer's. Okay. Yeah, it's, old Rachel McAdams, a.k.a. <laughs> AKA Jenna Rollins, <laughs> uh, loses her memory um, throughout that movie. So, uh, yeah, now Ryan Gosling is ruined for her. <laughs> See, I almost cried when I said his name. <laughs> Uh, they make up and they decide to meet up online, like on a weekly basis. And uh, after they get off the call, Ra- Ravi's like, oh, "I wonder how Charlie's going to react when she gets to meet you in person." Um, and I gotta say, during- this is the funniest line ever delivered throughout the entire series. What's that? When when Lila said she's going to drop a br- brick, her colon's going to drop a brick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. I don't know. I was really distracted by Lila's shirt. <laughs> Did you notice the shirt? It was a yeah. it was a picture of an owl, uh-huh. and next to it were the words "pissed jeans." Yeah. And I was like, "What does that even mean? Like, what owl I, I pissed jeans? It, pissed?" I guess it was. A, is it a brand of jeans? I have no idea. But I mean, would you wear a pair of jeans that said "pissed" on them? <laughs> Oh, it might be a band. All right. Pissed it's jeans. a band. Oh, you just Googled it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Is it an Austin Hardcore, band? <laughs> nope. Hardcore punk band from Allentown, Pennsylvania. Ah. Well, we're living here in Allentown. And they're shutting all the pet factories down. But apparently there are owls that piss their jeans and play music. So <laughs> good for them, I guess. It was very weird. It was very distracting. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, so the last thing we see with Lila um, at the end of the episode, Lila is leaving uh, Renegade HQ with Stan and a very smirky Riley mm-hmm. being smuggled across the border. So I wonder what's going to happen there. Uh, nothing good. Nothing good. Something bad. Rileys are rarely um, characters that anything good happens around. Yep. I don't know a good Riley. Actually, you know what? I take that back. I uh, just watched Inside Out with the kids before we recorded, you know, for my, uh, it's probably like my fifth or sixth time seeing that movie. It's always very, very emotional. <laughs> I love the soundtrack <laughs> and the little girl in that movie is called Riley. Oh, yeah. So. All right. Let's move on to our next section, A Traitor Within, I call it. Um, so we have, uh, we're at Fillmore Graves. Uh, apparently, maybe they're barracks or something. I, I was like, are they protecting uh, a brain factory or it just seems like there's soldiers hanging out. Um, and they called their, they kept calling the place lockdown, lockdown. 
and I'm not sure what lockdown is. Is that where they live? Is that is that a brain factory place where the the guards are protecting? I don't know. I just assumed it was their just where they're headquartered. Like when I heard when 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 grenades start going off, and then all of a sudden it kind of cuts to the next scene with Major, and I was waiting for Major to like hear something and jump up and start running, but it was definitely oh, it's like they're it's a in different a location. Different location, yeah. Oh. So what's the... I don't know. I, I don't guess it really matters. <laughs> I have no idea. All right, so we have uh, we have Soldier Peters um, going to grab some of those mm, yummy Hellfire puffs, puffs, and we have two other soldiers, Beard and Wiggins. <laughs> and uh, Beard says to Wiggins that uh, eventually Peters is going to drop dead, and they're both he and both of them are immediately hit shot in the head. Oh it's just, yeah, it's like a grim joke, but I love it. I don't know. I think yeah. this segment worked the best for me in this episode. Uh huh. But go ahead. Yeah, because uh, uh, who was the one that went and get the got the hellfire? Peters. Peters, like he's got a pudgy face. The mm-hmm. actor's got a pudgy face, but he's not fat. No. <laughs> but yeah, they were like, they were like, uh, have you ever seen him eat anything green? That's where he's gonna drop dead. Yeah. Uh. So we have, yeah, a very small, well-trained squadron rushing in. Uh, in a break room, some more soldiers are polishing boots, and they're, they kind of mention in dialogue that Justin ordered the inspection. And that's mm-hmm. when a grenade rolls in. And then we go to another room, and we see Justin uh, hearing the explosion and then slowly making his way towards the noise. And, and that mm-hmm. kind of cuts off there. And yeah, I was very much like, oh my God, oh my God, they're going to kill Justin off. They're going to kill Justin. And like kind of rooting for it, you know, not rooting for his death, but like, like being behind, like, you know, he's like, you know, a character in a scary movie. You're like, no, 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 don't go in there. Get out of there. I know this season, I'm like, why is Justin still around? (laughs) He's got to be around for some reason. (laughs) I don't know. I figured he was at least somebody for Major to talk to during Uh these Fillmore Grave plots because they're so separate from the rest of the show. Yeah, that's not Frenchie or Hobbs. (laughs) Somebody like on his side. Yeah, somebody he could kind of take seriously. I don't know. Uh, so, uh, we cut over to Fillmore Graves, the, the campus area, I guess. I don't know. Um, a soldier tells Major that Justin called and the line went dead and uh, there's other stuff that happens here, but we'll get to it. Um, but, uh, we go back to quote unquote lockup or lockdown and, uh, Peter's got his puffs, but he also finds everybody dead. <laughs> And he kind of stumbles, he sneaks through, he's looking, he's looking, and he stumbles upon the bad guys and gets shot at and then just like runs like hell. Um, the next chapter with this is uh, called Soldiers of Misfortune. And we have Hobbs uh, reporting that, the, yes, this was a very well-planned um, uh, heist or whatever, a well-planned attack. And they took eight Chase Graves loyalists from Deep Freeze, including Enzo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also, strangely, nobody was at their post, and Peter's missing. So uh, Peter's is missing, and Major figures he was the inside man. And they find Justin knocked out uh, with a bloody ear. And uh, so uh, it, it's funny when they, Major kind of hears the phone ringing. Hobbs calls. Major hears the phone and go in there. I'm like, oh my god, he's going to find Justin's body. <laughs> uh-huh. And I was like, oh wait, this is weird. This is like you know. Are they going to believe Justin wasn't a part of it? 
you know, is Justin a part of it? And I'm like, wait, no, he's hurt. He's hurt. They, he, 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 I don't know. I was so gullible, <laughs> but I should have known better. <laughs> yeah. So uh, major asked Justin why the soldiers weren't at their force posts. Uh, Justin says that must've been boredom. And then he says, mm-hmm. oh, it's probably the dead enders. And, but he does say that he doesn't think Peters planned it. So maybe it's because Peters is still out there and could contradict it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, we go to Major's house and we see that Major got himself a big old pizza for himself, which is, uh, which is a, I think is a writer's trademark. Uh, Chelsea Calinato's um, Twitter handle is called, is just pizza time, please. <laughs> ah. big, big fan of the pizza. <laughs> Uh, Peters is on his couch, almost gets shot. Uh, but he says when he came back, he saw the soldiers just casually talking to Justin and Justin ordered that inspection. So people would leave his, leave their posts. So yeah, cause they had just had an expe- inspection. Mm-hmm. So the next chapter is the Peters principal major brings in Peters claiming he ran into a flamethrower when he tried to escape and Justin offers to keep an eye on him. And Justin and major's like, sure, go right ahead. <laughs> And uh, the very last chapter is called Justin Justin Time. Um, so Justin's like, yeah, yeah, go get me, uh, go get me some tubes to the, his fellow soldier. And then he, of course, sneaks into Peter's pa- cage, and he pulls the pillow out to smother him. And uh, do zombies need oxygen? By the way, <laughs> <laughs> I thought this was kind of a. I, no, I, I probably not. I mean, I guess we haven't seen a zombie go without oxygen. We've never seen like a zombie like walk the length of a lake underwater or get trapped in an airless room or something or, or a gas mm-hmm. room. But I just assume they didn't because they're dead. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess I'm just applying regular zombie logic. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so Justin calls Major out on sacrificing zombies for humans. It says he's so they're Major's so naive. It's us or them. It's time to pick sides, Major. Major says he's on the side of good zombies and good humans. And Hobbs goes to cuff Justin, but Justin grabs his gun and takes another soldier hostage. I just want to put a put a pin in that and say, interesting. <laughs> Why? He didn't take Hobbs hostage. Why? Oh. <laughs> uh, let's put a pin in that. Uh, <laughs> Justin calls Major too soft, uh, even says he loves him. Aw. Um... And uh, Major points a gun at him and Justin says, you don't have the nerve to – and Major shoots him right in the head. Says, yeah, this, this, this is – this has been Major's arc this season. Yeah. That he was like the uh, – I guess I'll do it. I guess I'll be the leader. Yep. <laughs> you know, to be in resolute and understanding what his – position is even though these people are against you know he's been arguing it's like he's had to argue with everybody Mm -hmm. nobody is on his side i just you know and and i wonder if this means that major is going full chase graves here like like he's been avoiding being chase graves but here he is like just like chase did shooting justin (laughs) um and i wonder if you know he's I don't know. Like he's going to still kind of rule Fillmore Graves with an iron fist. I mean, he sort of is by freezing people, but wow, he just out and out executed Justin and Justin was his friend. Mm. Um, But I also think that major was like really mad about the fact that Justin um, caused the death of like six 
six or seven other soldiers. Mm-hmm. And betray- betrayed Fillmore Graves. Yeah. Betrayed Major. So we have another character dead, Steph. <laughs> so uh, you know what that means. It's it's time to uh, wait, it's time to cue the music. To, okay. Here it is. Do you have any, any words to say about uh, Justin? <laughs> Justin, you're a cutie pie. Um, I, I didn't feel like he had much chemistry. You know, you and and Liv were kind of boring, but I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I'm not surprised you turned out to be bad uh-huh. and uh, betrayed Fillmore Graves along with Major, but... Um, R.P. Good riddance. Don't know why you stuck around. I, I don't know. I don't understand. But yeah, I mean, we got some. Justin kind of disappeared for a while there, and then he came back at the end of last season, and uh, and yeah, we got you know at least his his arc closed. I thought he might survive, but um, yeah, I I have some words here. <clears throat> oh, Justin Bell, you traitor, traitorous bastard. <laughs> Uh, listen, we loved you when you first showed up. I mean, remember we had those discussions when he first showed up, and we're like, "We like this guy. We like him." Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, he played just dance with Ranger and Liv. You, you courted Liv through cute notes, showing some respect to your friend Major by by you know talking to him about it first, you know, and kind of running the whole courtship through Major. Um. You didn't betray Major when you found out he was human, and you didn't say anything when you found out there might be zombie cures. But then Liv slept with Chase, and you went to the dark side. Uh, you, you even chose loyalty to Chase rather than Liv when you found out she had stumbled across Fillmore Graves' master plan to infect the human population through an illusion flu vaccine. Um, I personally never forgave you after that, uh, so it's no surprise that you were a mole for... Uh, for Chrome Dome too, uh, because uh, you couldn't be trusted. Uh, but like any deceased person, I will try to remember the good times. That that great scene in the scratching post when you and Liv got to know each other. What a great scene! Or when you guys played uh, lawn darts. That that was awesome. But what happened? I mean, <laughs> what happened to you, Justin? Uh, anyway, rest in peace. All right. So we've probably played the entirety of Dust in the Wind by now, but. Uh, We'll move on. Um, All right. My next uh, segment I have here in my notes is I titled Remember General Mills? Uh, I mean, they brought General Mills back up um, last week when Major um, conferenced in with the Joint Chiefs of Staff. And I think I mentioned last week that this is his daughter is in New Seattle. We remember that Major and Donnie kidnapped her. Mm-hmm. And turned her into a zombie. So now mm-hmm. Major is talking to Sloane Sloan Mills and uh, her boyfriend who sits there silently. <laughs> um, uh, to talk to her father, the general. And she's very reluctant. She does not have a great relationship with her father. This is just uh, this is a theme that's going on here. Um, ah, family. family. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wonder why they show her with a boyfriend and he doesn't speak. He just doesn't say anything. 
Like, yeah, what is up with that? Will, will he speak later? <laughs> Could they not afford to have another actor speak in this <laughs> yeah, episode? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, give him lines. We got to pay more. Um, yeah. No, he just sits there and holds her hand. You know. Um, I mean, it maybe is it saying that you know she's been here all this time. She's made a life for herself. Yeah, she's got in relationships. Seattle. Yeah. She has a boyfriend. Yep. Yeah. Maybe that is something that um, you know, showing it without saying it. You know. Mm-hmm. Although there was a, you know, this is, there's a bunch of saying without showing in this episode, <laughs> um, but uh, this is an example of showing without saying. Um, but Major does kind of, you know, every Eye Zombie episode kind of hints at something to come, and Major mentions that General Mills is actually coming with a contingent uh, to Seattle, um, and so Major wants Sloan to talk to him while he's here, and uh, yeah, later at the end of the episode. Uh, Chrome Dome's men uh, Grab up Sloan and her boyfriend Throw him in the van And so we know that uh, When the general arrives I'm assuming next episode um, He's going to be really upset That his daughter's missing mm-hmm. um, So This is where I kind of Pull that pin out a little bit Does Chrome Dome know about Sloan Because of Enzo and Justin Or maybe he knows about her And uh, because of Hobbs and what could Chrome Dome's plan actually be for Sloan? Is it just to hold her hostage to cause more chaos? Um, I mean, it would just, I mean, Mills wanted to drop a bomb on Seattle, but because his daughter is in Seattle um, and uh, and is now a zombie, you know, he doesn't want to do that. Um, he's hoping the CDC will come through, but now what happens? You know, doesn't Chrome Dome know that? <laughs> You know, through this intel that he's getting from his inside sources at, at Fillmore Graves, um, that causing Sloan's disappearance. I mean, maybe he's going to have Sloan talk in a video to General Mills to, I don't know, I guess we'll find out. <laughs> I'd love to know what the plan is. Lots of secrety, secrety stuff going on. Um, you got anything, got anything for that segment? Uh, nope. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like a, a quick thing that's up in the air. It's like, oh no, yeah, okay, she got the woman that was walking with them, the zombie that was walking with them, yeah. that put, helped push them into the van, have we ever seen her before? No, but I'd like to see her some more, if you know what I'm saying. Wink, wink. <laughs> okay. I said wink, wink out loud so you could hear – you can't hear me winking without me saying wink. So. Okay. Um, she, I was just saying she's cute. Uh, I was going to say, <laughs> are you saying that because she's attractive or <laughs> yeah. because you want to know more information? She's a babe. She's a zombie babe. A zombie babe with I, you know, high boots. I, I, you know, and I, I, I honestly haven't had a chance to uh, compare her, but she did look like one of the two girls that uh, Blaine was sleeping with. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, but I just because she's got that, that you know, a lot of a lot of white hair, you know, mm-hmm. um, and is very leggy. But uh, all right, so we go to the next segment. I call it "Oh, baby." Uh, we have Clive here uh, Handing out Casey's In the acting captain's chair Doesn't it seem like this is a totally different episode from the others It's just what it seems like We've watched like a we watched like a, a mix of Several diff- different episodes this week <laughs> Yes, this was Very melodramatic Very soap opera <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, was, there was a huge section of this that was very Soap opera mm-hmm. Oh yeah uh, Kavanaugh gives him crap because uh, he's got a framed picture of himself on the desk, but it is Bazio's desk. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, and then Michelle steps in. Uh, she's uh, filling in for Clive. And uh, so Clive gives her a lightweight case. Just get a statement from a Zamboni driver. That's all she's got to do. And uh, Michelle makes asks him if it's, he's going to be weird about this whole thing. And, um, and Clive says he's not going to be weird about it. Which I thought he started to. Yeah. He started to be weird, but he was like, "Nope, I'm making up my mind. Not going to be weird." Which I like. I like that. You know, I, I like that. Um, he's not even going to going to make her worry about. It. I think if I was in that position, I'm, I'd just be kind of like, uh, "Listen, I'm really trying not to be weird, <laughs> and I'm really sorry if I act weird." But Clive is, you know, such a solid guy that he's just like, "Nope, no weirdness here." <laughs> you know. Uh, so fast forward, Clive is shocked. To find out that, oh my god, she went to uh, interview the Zamboni driver and she got hit in the head with a puck and sent to the hospital. And the OBGYN called Clive because he's listed as the father. Yeah, I think this was a little creative. They had to get, you know, why would she put his name? How would... This is a sweet scene, but I... Okay, so let's just go over the facts. She says the odds of being Clive... uh, the odds of being Clive, the odds of Clive being the father are about 30 to one. <laughs> She's had, uh-huh. had that one time with him and like 30 times with this shame guy. And, but she says she prefers to think of Clive as the father because he's the man women want as the father of their baby. He's, he's a, he's a good man. And no matter what Clive Babineau will show up and be a rock for them. And she's like, sorry. And then she says, not sorry. So this is like a sweet scene. But I I, uh-huh. I do wonder, like, are they going to send Michelle down the, like, crazy direction? <laughs> like, yeah. Like, she's not going to let go of wanting Clive as the dad? I, I really don't think so. I, I hope think, not. But I, I just think that they would uh, wrote themselves into a corner. Like, they had to f- find a way to get Clive to the hospital to check on her. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because they wanted... They wanted them to have a, a scene. I don't know. It's it's interesting. I wonder where they're going to go with this because this isn't it. I almost wonder if they're you know if Basio is going to be cool with them all like settling down together. <laughs> you know, uh, having kind of a a big love situation with Clive in the middle. Um, who knows? I just don't see Basio doing that, and I, I don't know if Clive would be very comfortable with it either. But yeah, I'm wondering where the next. Where it's going to go to next Because it would be really weird If she ended up being like Like a psycho stalker like the, I mean Clive's already been stalked You know if you remember back in the Hurt Stalker We had the girl that was making scrapbooks About her boyfriends and you know The badge bunny <laughs> um, So we've already kind of done that Already so And just the fact that she's pregnant Makes it makes me feel kind of ear, you know, ill That if she was a stalker mm-hmm. um, But yeah uh, oh god, we got to move along here. Let's move on to uh, family ties. Um, so while Clive is visiting Michelle, Liv is outside arguing with a coffee machine because it says "tasty coffee" and it lies. <laughs> <laughs> and then suddenly, even more steps out. Molly Hagen is even more. Dang, that was a surprise. And I was like, oh my god. And then we have a really kind of like a like a bitter confrontation going on here. Um, she turns out she's been in New Seattle all along, and mm-hmm. she's just been avoiding Liv. Liv's been calling and writing 
off in off Screenville, and mm-hmm. Eva's just been ignoring it, and so has uh, so is Evan, and yeah, if we remember, she Evan got blowed up at the end of season one. <laughs> Needed blood and Liv walked away And then when she came back at the beginning of season Two um, Evan didn't Want to talk to her and Eva was really mad at her And that was it that was it Um, So Here we are like four years later (laughs) (laughs) Or three Years later I guess and so We're kind of like filling in like Eva Still mad um, And even even after like knowing What Liv is She's still mad at her and Um and she said she even admits like, hey, you know, I didn't want to infect Evan, but maybe I, maybe I would have done it differently, you know, if I knew. But it's so funny because that's very same season, you know, Drake is shot and she turns Drake. But I guess that's not her brother, so it's different. She didn't even know Drake. Um, so uh, Liv says she knew that Eva could save him. And uh, she mentioned that her the dad was there around, or who she assumed was her dad. Yeah, Doctor Arthur Gorin. This is when I was like, "What is going on here?" I know. <laughs> this is out of the blue, uh, and it's because she's like, "Obviously, he's our dad. We've always known that she, she he's our dad." And I'm like, "This is awkward because we we've never heard any of this before, you know." But it's like. One thing piled onto another, and she's like, he's not your dad. I'll tell you who your dad is. He's a junkie. He was a lovely man when he was sober, but gone by the time Liv was born. Um, so I'm assuming he's not Evan's dad. He's just Liv's dad. Um, and uh, he went into rehab. He joined Doctors Without Borders. He came back. He wanted to see Liv, but she wouldn't let him see her um, because he hadn't changed. Um, and says the last time she knew he was homeless. And she tells Liv that her dad's name is Martin Roberts. And Liv says, tell Evan I miss him. And Eva says he isn't interested. So <laughs> that's a whole lot. I was like, what, what, what? <laughs> like sitting back in my chair after this scene. It was, I think I think it was really a great scene between Molly Hagen and Rose McIver, but wow, it was like a lot of stuff we hadn't heard before and just mm-hmm. kind of dropped on us. I, I, I wasn't the hugest fan of it, I got to say. Um, but I guess this is it. This is this is it. This is this is what's happening. So, and did you did you think to yourself, oh, I know her dad is at the end of this scene. No. No? You were surprised no, by the end of the episode? I put two and two together. Yeah. As soon as I, she I said junkie, I was like, yeah. Because <laughs> he's a, that guy's a I mean, big utopian guy. This worked for me. This worked for me better than the Justin stuff. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, it was, the, uh, it was just so very melodramatic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is, is all I was concerned with. Well, um, I did... Uh, Want to actually bring up and recap uh, something else that wasn't in this episode <laughs> that might have been what happened in an alternate universe if it stayed in an episode. There was a deleted scene from season two, episode 13 called The Whopper. And uh, this is 13 episodes after uh, the whole attempted reconciliation in Grumpy Old Live when she went to the hospital and got turned away by Evan. Uh huh. So. In that episode, remember the Whopper is like huge. It could have been like the season finale. It was like they found 
uh, the the leg they were digging for, and Blaine did the whole Les Miserables thing with Angus, and it was a mm-hmm. huge episode. Um, so in this episode, uh, Eva step, stops by the morgue to tell Liv to stop trying to contact Evan. He's been through months of physical therapy. Um, he's in actual therapy, um, and every time she leaves a message, he's reminded that she left him to die. Uh, and so the next scene, Evan stops by her apartment. The therapist told him to express his feelings so he can move on. Evan tells her that he's given her one last chance to explain herself. So she tells him that she contracted a disease from the boat party. She has fits she can't control and a compulsion to eat brains. And so Evan gets super mad. He's like, okay, you're, <laughs> you have the case of the zombies then? And so to prove it, uh, Liv does exactly what she did in the episode uh, Dead Bang. I think Dead Bang. Dead, dead beat. Um, when she reveals herself to Clive, she stabs herself with the knife. Yeah. Right. And I'm assuming they liked this idea so much. They decided to just reuse it for Clive since they deleted this scene. Mm-hmm. So she does that whole thing in front of, uh, Evan. And, uh, I, I did post the deleted scene in our, our Facebook group. If you want to watch it. And, uh, she even, she has like a can of spinach in her hand after she, when she crushes, when she stabs herself and she crushes the can, the can like explodes in her hand. It's pretty weird. Um, (laughs) but, uh, after she goes on to explain that, even if she decided to turn him zombie to save him, they would immediately have just put her on a gurney and tested her after drawing her blood and test and taking her heartbeat. They, she wanted the doctors to, to focus on Evan and not her. Um, uh huh. So Evan apologizes, saying he didn't realize what she was going through, and they they reconciliate. And I'm assuming they were planning on doing this, doing the same thing with Eva in the future. But uh, Evan also reveals at the end of the the scene that he's got a secret too. He's he's gay. He has a boyfriend named Matt. So, oh. so yeah, yeah. So that was a whole alternate uh, version of the story that I thought I'd share, and you can look it up on YouTube if you want to watch it, but. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I just, I don't know. I, I wish, I kind of wish that stayed in there because I just think this should have been addressed by now. And uh, it's, it's kind of rough that um, we finally get Eva, and it is such like a, I don't know. It's like the wound is still really fresh for her, even though it's been a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And then we get this like, you know, that person you. Th- thought was your father that you kept that that we never talked about on the show he's not your father <laughs> here's this other guy who's your father and it, it it's interesting because like i remember before season two there was a lot of talk about um well this season Liv's gonna find her dad and uh we're gonna, yeah. we're gonna learn about Liv's dad and there was a whole lot of talk about that and i think it was even mentioned that he was gonna be homeless um but then it was kind of dropped oh. So, I didn't hear that, but yeah, yeah, I do remember it being talked about that it family was going to be a big uh, point of the season, right? But I think uh, I think you know they were hoping to get twenty two episodes. They got cut down to nineteen, and so they mm-hmm. decided to excise that. And then you know seasons after they've been just getting thirteen. So, but I'm assuming it's something they've always wanted to. They've always wanted to work on or have a part of the the show to kind of complete Liv's character. Like she's got a mother and a father, Um, but it's uh, – we'll see how it goes. I mean it seems that Liv's dad is now like, I don't know, the Darth Vader of New Seattle. (laughs) But all right. uh, I'm just going to continue with the recap trying to finish this up here. Uh, 
Uh, we go to Renegade HQ. Liv blows up at these kids for being so wild. And Stan reminds her they can't go outside. And she says she needs to get off this brain. Um, so we go to uh, Honcho slash New Bosses slash Chrome Dome's hideout. And yes, now we have no more confusion about his name. His name is Martin Roberts. So we're going to be calling him Martin from now on. <laughs> okay. Okay. And it's funny because uh, he's watching this rebroadcast of Dolly and Peyton talking on Frostbites. Yeah. And I, writing those two names together, I just laughed. Because it looks like it's um, – I wrote Dolly Parton. Uh, I, I thought you'd get a kick out of that, but I've lost you. I've lost you. Sorry. <laughs> Points off camera. He gets it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Martin is thawing Enzo with, an, with a hair dryer. Riley. Oh, that was so cute with Enzo's eyes just moving around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, Riley says they're taking her outside the wall tomorrow, training her as a, as a coyote, and that's you know obviously what happens with she's being she's helping with the Lila transport. Mm-hmm. Um, Martin watch, watches Dolly talk about how there could be no peace between humans and zombies, and Martin agrees, but she's on the wrong side. And then mm-hmm. he mentions she'd probably make a good zombie, which oh. mm, imagine Dolly being turned into a zombie. It's probably the worst thing that would ever happen to her. Mm-hmm. Um, Liv tells Major on the phone about her dad. She invites him over, and this is interesting. I hadn't caught this before. Maybe it was mentioned before, but she calls Rene- what we call Renegade HQ as the hub. The hub. Yeah, you yeah. caught that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like, "What's the hub? Oh, this is the hub. Okay, it's the hub. So I, I maybe we should start calling it the hub now. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> uh, so we get the end. We get the monologue. Uh, Liv says, sometimes parents screw us up. Sometimes they lift us up. We can rebel. Tell ourselves they're, they're, that we're nothing like the people who raised us and end up being exactly the person they raised us to be and never even realize it. I know I'm not a mom to these kids. We might lose faith sometimes, but we can't give up on family. It might be the most important thing we've got. And uh, yeah, she's got this big dinner. Major shows up. One of the kids gets up and gives Major a big hug. And he sits down. It's like mom and dad sitting down with the kids. Mm-hmm. And he takes – go ahead. But, yeah, he he is looking at her like, yeah, we're – this could be – this could be us. Yeah. We could be a family. But she – I think it's because she's so distracted about her dad. Right. That she doesn't even realize it. Yeah, he like raises a wine glass to her and she's not even looking at him. And I also wonder, like, hey, I just executed your ex-boyfriend. <laughs> an, an, another one bites the dust. <laughs> uh, how am I going to break that to her? Should I wait for dessert? <laughs> so, yeah, finally, uh, Martin is surprised to hear from Enzo that Major killed Justin. So, again, it's got to be Hobbs because Hobbs is the only one there. And Justin could have taken Hobbs as hostage, but... He didn't. He took another soldier as hostage after taking Hobbs's gun. Um, mm. So I think the only the only ones left that we know that we're familiar with are Hobbs and who's the lady Joyce. Yeah, we didn't see Joyce this week though. Mm-hmm. But I, th- I feel like that's the those are the only two left right. that we like know their names. Right. So they could surprise us and it be somebody other than Hobbs. I don't know. It's just so obviously Hobbs. It's got to be Hobbs. Um, so it looks like Martin is preparing some sort of injector stick for his cage full of Romero's. And that was, that kind of solved 
another thing for me was um, these – Where like, are all these people coming from? These like fully trained Fillmore Graves guys that Justin brought – you know, had raid the lockdown um, are not these zombies. These are Romero's and like there's no way they're running around with automatic weapons. So those must have been some of the – I don't know. Like are they – I'm just, maybe maybe the ones that they thawed out are the loyalists and the soldiers that helped with the whole raid, and these Romeros are just randos that maybe they caught and put in a cage and let starve because mm-hmm. I, yeah, I'm just not sure who's – because I assume the Romeros were the ones that were thawed out, but that doesn't seem correct now. But um, anyway, doorbell. It's Liv. I'm your daughter. Happy Father's Day, iZombie viewers. <laughs> <laughs> that is good time. <laughs> it's kind of like Game of Thrones, you know? <laughs> like there was always something something about uh, Father's Day or Mother's Day. Like uh, the Red Wedding, I believe, happened on Mother's Day. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. We got to roll through here. Uh, we got feedback. Here are some thoughts from the users of TV Time where you can find our podcast streaming under the iZombie section. Uh, Dapo says, I honestly think iZombie needs to release the recipes of Liv's meal once the show is over. With substitute for brains like chicken and beef, of course. Yeah, they should do a uh, recipe book. Yep. Uh, I think there's a fan-created one that's around online. um, And I think... Yeah, I think it's still passed around online, but, you know, I guess maybe uh, I'll, I'll try to find that and retweet that. Um, Damon says, Justin, you have joined the ranks of Liv's de- dead exes along with Lowell, Drake, and Levon. I hope Major survives this series. <laughs> uh, Misty says, you know, in reaction to the final scene, she says, oh, no, Liv, you better run, girl, like the wind. <laughs> uh, Sam says, boss Major is back at it for the second episode in a row. <laughs> And Michael says, holy crap, rarely does this show surprise, but it did this time. So, uh, do you have emails? Yes. We've got some emails. Oh. What about Jeff? Jeff. You Jeff's? I think I have Jeff all queued up and ready to go here. Well, I did. Here we go. Hello, iZombie fans. It's Jeff X-Force 11. I just have to talk about that last scene. Oh my goodness, not only is he our big bad, but he looks like he's Beanpole Bob, and (laughs) he is Liv's father. Wow, they are just bringing in the twist and turns. Man, it looks good. And next episode, looks like we've got a little Glengarry Glen Ross going on with <laughs> Robbie and Liv. I am just really digging this season so far. Okay, X-Force 11 out. Yeah, we'll definitely uh, hear it in our uh, the audio to the preview uh, in, in a little bit, but uh, I love that uh, Robbie is taking coffee away from Liv after Liv already had <laughs> the uh, officers perfect it this week. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, what do you want to read? I'm going to read Ephraim's. Thank you, Jeff, by the way. <laughs> hey, guys, this episode had a lot that impressed me, but I think the niftiest thing about it was how much it felt like an old-time iZombie episode. Even though so much has changed over the years, we got a lot of stylistic throwbacks to earlier seasons. <clears throat> the closing Liv voiceover, Liv struggling with the brain of the week, Clive getting ribbed by his fellow police officers, the darkness lurking underneath every laugh. 
it all felt really familiar and really nice. Seeing Molly Hagen again certainly didn't hurt either. I wish we'd gotten more than one scene with her and Liv. It's been a long time since we've seen her, and having her reveal Liv's father in one three-minute scene was a bit rushed. Agreed. I agree. Speaking of Liv's father, I'm assuming at this point that Martin Roberts is indeed being Poe Bob, making Liv face off against her father seems a little too Star Wars-esque to me. But we'll see how things go. You can't have enough Star Wars. Are you kidding me? Also, yes, his last name is Roberts. Beanpole Bob's last name is Bob. So I'm assuming. <laughs> anyway. But he's not thin. Maybe he used to be. Maybe he used to be has, to be has to mean There's something gonna else. There's going to be some twist. Yes. It's going to be a pun. It's going to be a pun. Okay. Uh, Efrek says, R.I.P. Justin, you lasted longer than any of Liv's other boyfriends. But you'll be missed the least. <laughs> hey, he got Kansas just like every other recurring character. <laughs> yeah. Considering how important General Mills' daughter is to Fillmore Graves, you'd think Major would have put a bodyguard on her. Eesh, yeah. One of the restaurant staff slash suspects was played by Jason Gray Stanford, whom I fondly remember as Detective Disher for eight seasons of Monk. Good to see another old familiar face. Huh. Never watched Monk. Curious about what uh, in the syringe that Martin is planning to use to inject the Romeros. Also curious about what his plan is for infiltrating the zombie coyote. Is she going to start scratching people outside of Seattle? (gasps) Oh, my God. I think he's got it. Boom. I think he's got it. This is the reason why she does. uh, They they only want human coyotes because they want humans to be on the outside. But uh, just, so, you know, because the contagion could get out. But she is a zombie, so she's going to get out and scratch. <gasps> she's going to scratch mm-hmm. Lila and send her off. Guaranteed. Mm. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Um, By the way, uh, I think what's in the syringe is probably tainted utopium, right? Because tainted utopium and Romero's equals rage zombies. Uh, I don't know. Maybe Romero's are just rage zombies anyway, but. Maybe super rage zombies. I don't know. Yeah, that's what happened at the end of season two. Two? Yeah, the Max yeah. Rager thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, Efrex finishes. I can't believe that we're halfway through this final season. There's so much more that I want to see, but I'm glad we're going out strong. All the best, Efrex. Good job, Efrex, on uh, uh, blowing the door wide open on this. This is this is huge. This is huge. Um, okay, I'm going to read Dave's. Dave says, good morning, folks. Another super busy episode. I guess as the series wraps up, we should just expect this for the rest of the episodes. Uh, One, I mentioned a few weeks ago the CDC is going to be pretty upset for Ravi not sharing the details about the cure all the while leading them on. And from an outside perspective, I can't blame them for being upset with Ravi. He had a cure but did not share. I would be pretty upset if a colleague I was working with on a super critical project was holding out and flat out lied. Um. Two, nice to check in on General Mills' daughter. I appreciate that the show writers have remembered some of these loose threads and stories. So she was kidnapped by the human fraction, faction, right? It happened so fast I could not tell. Yeah, it's a van. It's definitely it's definitely uh, Martin Roberts, Chrome Dome, uh, his, his whole uh, unit there. Um, and speaking of loose ends, many of us fans really wanting the, sh- the show to check in with Liv's family all last season. I would appreciate more, but if that's all we get, I'm satisfied. As 
to the meeting of Liv and her mom, I get how her mom is still a bit upset. From her point of view, I could easily understand her asking, why could you not trust this with trust me with this? And still being bitter with Liv over it. After all, at that moment, it seemed Liv was walking away and refusing to help her brother in a life and death situation. Uh, well, there's, she's also her mom, so she's, you know, that's another thing <laughs> that she could probably uh, be more forgiving. But um, Four, when this season started, I was really worried about Major and his capacity to do the tough things in his position as leader of Fimo Grays. But damn, he did not mess around with Bell and his treachery. Uh, five, the attack on Fimo Graves. These folks are not messing around. There are some serious threats out there. One thing I have mentioned before, which kind of bugs me, is if anyone wanted to cause serious disruption, Liv, Major, and Peyton hanging out at Ra- Major and Ravi's house is a serious security threat. Yep. Uh, six, I'm impressed at how the show is treating the Clive, Michelle, Dale trio. What a complex mix. But everyone so far is handling this very well so far. Yeah, yeah. Uh, number seven, and finally the reveal of Liv's dad. In a busy final season, the twists keep coming. See you next week, Dave. Thanks, Dave. All right, we got a couple uh, more. Maddie, you may read Maddie's Go for it. email. Hi, Robin and Steph. Maddie here, another intense episode of iZombie. I find it funny that a week after I wrote about Blaine, uh, apologist trying to justify his actions, I'm here trying to understand how my favorite zombie DJ, Justin, would betray Major. <laughs> I love that she remembers that he used to DJ. <laughs> My personal opinion is that after Jordan's death, Justin just didn't side with the humans anymore. When Harley exploded himself in season three, those soldiers that died were also his friends. And a lot of emotion, that's a lot of emotional baggage and he just couldn't take it, but it still doesn't justify the choice he took at the end. Once again, choices are everything. It's no secret that I've had a soft spot, soft spot for the character since his introduction, which is why this is way more painful to me than to the regular watcher. Yeah, the boyfriend curse had to come for him eventually, but seeing him die at the hands of his best friend was hard to watch. I almost cried when he said, I love you, Major. I really do, because I knew exactly what was coming. I still think, I still think Hobbs is working with Mr. Honcho, a.k.a. A, uh, Martin Roberts, A.K.A. Bean Poe Bob question mark A.K.A. Liv's dad because otherwise, how could Enzo know what Major did? Yep. I doubt all the Fillmore Grave soldiers are traitors, and something just seems sketchy about that guy. And I cannot wait until he gets what he deserves. Yep. I'd like to congratulate Chelsea Catalano. Catalano, I'll do it for you. Catalano for nailing the theme of this episode: family can make us or break us. And there is, there are so many different types of families that even someone is, has a toxic family. Even if someone has a toxic family, friends are always there to cheer us up and be our cornerstone when we are going through hard times. I just hope that Liv, Eva, and Evan can make amends by the series finale. The nostalgic part of me misses those great family moments we got in season one. Keep yeah. up the awesomeness, love, Maddie. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a I while. It's been a while. Um... All right, I'm going to read this one from Tim, who finally got one in under the uh, under the wire. Uh, this is kind of more on Justin here. Um, he says, my feedback this week is actually short and sweet, truly for me at least. Um, basically, I don't buy the Justin turn at all. It isn't consistent with the character as we've known him and the fact that we've dis- he disappeared until the end of the last season. And we didn't get to see his descent into morally comprised uh, zealot. 
it just seemed like an ass pull to me. <laughs> what is an ass pull? Uh, pull something that was pulled from your ass, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> um, he continues. Uh, another thing we can do to emotionally damage Major in light of his recent win. Let's have his good buddy turn out to be traitor and have him shoot him in the head. Perhaps if Justin had remained a recurring character or if they had hinted at a betrayal or at least shown his becoming compromised a la Enzo. But they didn't. And sadly, it didn't work for me. I know Robin has had a grudge against Justin since he snitched on Liv during the whole tainted vaccine debate, a debacle. But honestly, I can't hold that against him. Uh, he had no idea what she was doing there, and his faith in her had been shaken by her cheating on him with Chase Graves. Maybe there was a little spite there, but I took it more of a consequence of Liv's actions. Less of a trail on Justin's part, and more of him being unable to give Liv the benefit of the doubt after the one-night stand. Well, Justin, I'm here to take Liv's side, not yours. So, so, so yeah, Tim, I, I, I'm telling you, uh, if you want to side with Justin, go right ahead. Yes, I hold a, a grudge against him. Um, but yeah, sorry. Uh, anyway, <laughs> continues. It says, I'm sad to see him go. In season three, the character was endearing. In the season four finale and in season five, all that charm sort of faded away and he was just sort of there. I definitely agree with you, Tim. Uh, P.S. Uh, so the iZombie deleted scenes are not canon. I asked because Eva said Evan wasn't interested in seeing Liv. And he goes on to talk about the, the season two uh, deleted scene, which I described to you. Um, yeah, I wouldn't think any deleted scenes were canon. So I, from any show or any movie, right? Isn't that how it works? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Yeah, I think so. Uh, you want me to thank you? Thank you, Tim, for writing. Um, and uh, you want me to just read Darren's? Do you want me to? I'll read Darren's. Oh, go ahead. Okay, the last few weeks with work and the holidays have been nuts for me, but I was able to find a couple of minutes this week before you recorded to get my thoughts in. Eva seems like she is taking that position because she can't bear the thought of being wrong. She said that Evan isn't interested in reconnecting, but I have a feeling that that is wrong. Either way, it was great to see Molly Hagen again. And who saw the fact that Liv didn't know who her, her father was coming? Mm. Yeah, we didn't. It was a shock. Yeah, maybe I, too much of a shot. It's definitely <laughs> completely out of the blue. But go ahead. <laughs> Didn't think Justin would betray Major like that. We may see a new Major going forward. Yeah, while improving zombie uh, human zombie relations is important, Major seems to be a little soft at times. I just hope he doesn't go full Chase Graves. I I don't. Yeah, think, I hope he doesn't go too hard. I mean, because we got really hard Fillmore Graves Major last season, and I I want him and Liv, you know, in the end game together. <laughs> and that's not going to help if he does that. The scene in the hospital room with Clive and Michelle was good. It put Clive more at ease going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not being weird. Mm-hmm. Ravi uh, being cut off with the CDC research should make that part of the story interesting going forward. Can't hear the rest. Can't wait for the rest of the season, Darren. Thank you, Darren. Um, and I think we have some Facebook as well. Okay, I've got Facebook open. <laughs> All right, James says I was not expecting that attitude from Lil's mother. The only semi-legit complaint she has, in my opinion, is not being told by Liv about the virus. The brother doesn't even have that much. The rest of the episode was pretty good, although what I remember from season one was that Liv knew her dad back then. 
I think we just assume that. I don't even remember any mention of a father back then. No, none, none at all. But Major does mention and, that he knows something about her thinking that the other guy was her father. But obviously it's because they've known each other for a long time. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, Jen says, I'm finally caught up enough to leave feedback for the first time ever. Yay. But all I all I really have is, holy shit, that ending. <laughs> I did, definitely didn't see that coming. <laughs> nope. All right, let's get to uh, next time on Zombie. Uh, next time on Zombie. <laughs> next time <laughs> on iZombie. We are professional podcasters, and uh, yes, we are we are paid by uh, um, our uh, the American Podcasting Network, and uh, we're <laughs> always on target here. So uh, let me just uh, repeat it. Next time on iZombie, the episode is called uh, Death of a Car Salesman, and here is the trailer. What's the sitch, Clive? The widow? The widow. Thursday. I am ten times the salesman you are. Bring it on, Blondie. What do you want to do with the case? I want to close it. Ah, 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 ah. Coffee's for closers. I, Zombie. The final season continues Thursday, 8, 7 central on The CW. All right, that was the trailer for Death of a Car Salesman. Here's the description. Liv and Ravi consume the same brain. Liv and Ravi each consume the brain of a dislike, very dislikable car salesman. And inherit his p- competitive nature. And that's it. That's all they give us. <laughs> uh, written by uh, Christina DeLeon, um, who is very fun to follow on Twitter. And uh, directed by Jason Bloom. And uh, will be airing Thursday, June 20th. So uh, the trailer looked a lot of fun. It definitely gave us more than um, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the description here to give us. Um, so... Hoping, I, I'm assuming that this is going to be another one of those things where we kind of see a little bit about the brain in the in the preview, but it's going to be so, a more major developments, uh, pun, pun intended, um, as uh, as the episode plays. So maybe this is going to be the one where General Mills shows up. Um, maybe there's going to be more treachery. Um, I'm hoping we at least get some Liv and uh, uh, Martin Roberts talking. So. Um, I think that's it. Uh, you know, before we wrap up the podcast, I probably should mention that I'm, uh, I'm a great cook. Actually, uh, my specialty is French cuisine. So you actually knew what Ramalade was? Yes, but I've never electrocuted puppies. <laughs> well, I've got a revelation for you. What's that? I'm not even Steph. What? This is actually Steph's twin sister, Sophia. Steph actually jumped ship at the end of season three. Oh my God. Steph has a twin. You're a twin? Should should I rename the podcast? The iZombie Podcast with Robin and Sophia. Finally, I get some recognition. Hold on. Let's call it the iZombie Podcast with Sophia and Robin. That sounds better. Well, this is probably a good time to tell you another secret. Oh, no. What now? Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. He told me enough. He told me you killed him. No. I am your father. No! No, that's not true! That's impossible! Search your feelings, you know it to be true! No! No! (laughs) Happy Father's Day, everyone. Are you happy now? Yes.
Thank you for listening to the iZombie Podcast with Robin and Steph. Obligatory contact info in three, two, one, go. Send in your feedback to iZombiePodcast at gmail.com. All of our contact info is on our website, iZombiePodcast.com. You can follow Steph on Twitter at Steph Smith. You can follow Robin at L. Robin Yarrow. Our podcast logo is designed by D. Sheehan. You can find her work at Behance.net slash D. Sheehan. Check out our other podcasts. You can listen to us binge watch through great shows like Dawson's Creek, Smallville, Veronica Mars, and When I Zombie Ends, Gilmore Girls. Just subscribe to We Don't Want to Wait on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to check out TV Time. If you want to join a global community of TV watchers where our podcast, among others, is currently streaming, download the TV Time app today. Go to tvtime.com for more details. Please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. We do this in our spare time, so your ratings and reviews are much appreciated. And the only payment we ask are your kind words. And make sure it's on the correct feed. We are the iZombie Podcast with Robin and Seth. And we're done. You think anyone's still listening? Oh, they totally are. Bye, zombie. Live forever!